Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, September 29th, sponsored by 42 at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about the event celebrating the 60th anniversary of the desegregation of Central High, the future of abortion in Arkansas, and a new ruling on a law to restrict panhandling, and who knows, maybe some more. Joined by Max Brantley. Great. Uh, so, uh, before we get started, I want to make a quick plug for the latest, greatest event the Arkansas Times is hosting this Sunday, that's October 1st, from 1 to 5 at the Argena Plaza, uh, formerly known as the Argena Farmers Market Grounds. Main Street, North Little Rock, if you don't know the lingo. Yeah, that's, I think it's 6th and Main. Um, we're having our annual Arkansas Times whole hog roast. And for $15 in advance at centralarkansastickets.com or $20 at the door, you get all the, the swan you can eat from, uh, I think there's seven or eight professional teams and then four or five amateur teams. The professional teams cook whole hogs from farm grill meats. The amateurs cook pork butts. And then there's all sorts of sides. It, you will get full it could be you know one of maybe one meal you could do one meal Probably on sunday there is some beer for sale too beer and, and wine like for sale great fall weather great weather is going to be uh, good time ramblers and the wild wildflower review are going to be there playing so it's going to be uh, a good time come out so we talked last week uh sort of previewing the 60th anniversary of the desegregation of central high and talked about it in big picture terms but let's spend a little time just kind of talking about what happened and what people said and well first of all i I probably ought to give the city some limited credit i I had a fear at the start of this that it was going to be kind of a promotional chamber of commerce kind of thing and and it was a it was as sybil hampton remarked to me and she was one of the masters of ceremony at the big event it ended up being a little more textured than i expected now some of that was due to the outspoken nature of some of the participants but they put together some interesting panels and some interesting programs that represented a divergence of of points of view on on desegregation then and now and but finally it came down to the nine the little rock nine or at least the eight living ones who were honored for desegregating central under very difficult circumstances 60 years ago and, and perhaps I was guilty of, of being patronizing and not expecting them to be the smart, outspoken, thoughtful, and eloquent people they've always been. And they were. Uh, there was no mad and crazy uh, statements by any of them, really. But I think it's kind of hard to single them out. Terrence Roberts was particularly eloquent. I thought and saying, you know, have we had 60 years of progress or have we had one year 60 times? And and said from his point, made it clear from his point of view that we are a long way from equity in the United States. Uh, all of the others more or less said the same thing in various ways. Thelma Ware, who is in poor physical health, had a statement read at the culminating ceremony by her grandson in which she raised, she's a former public school teacher, and she raised concerns about how the proliferation of charter schools could impact the the core public education mission. Uh, And so this was a, you know, I think Wiley Branton, the local judge whose father was a civil rights pioneer in Arkansas, expressed some of the same concerns in in one of the programs. So if this, if anybody thought this was going to be something where we're going to, 
people are going to say, gee, aren't we great? Isn't it wonderful what we achieved 60 years ago? No, and of course, as we mentioned last week, John Kirk of UALR has pointed out, this is a continuum, and there are things happening now, including the takeover of the local school district that by primarily at the impetus of a white business established and still under control of white people, that is a cause con concern, and to call that progress is, is uh, inaccurate, let's say it in the kindest way possible. Minnie Jean uh, Brown, tricky. I saw her Sunday night at an event at which Bill Clinton opened the Nelson Mandela exhibited his library and she said to me then and I was particularly happy when she remarked in front of the commemorative assembly the next day we're not stupid we know what's going on here and she didn't elaborate but she didn't need to elaborate so uh, you know I think in the end I doubt many hearts and minds were changed by anybody but but things were said that needed to be said if if I wrote a small column this week kind of looking 10 years ahead from now if we're all here, me and them included, will there be a Little Rock school district as we now know it? Will there be public education? Will there be any white students left in Central High School after a school that was 99.9% .9 white in 1957? Uh, I hope the, the city deals with some of these issues. People brought up issues about city development and, and economic segregation and housing segregation and we don't deal with these things today uh things won't get any better well speaking of the future uh state board uh commissioner johnny key does not give many uh interviews doesn't appear in the public much but he was interviewed by skip rutherford the clinton school dean on wednesday and talked a little bit about the future yeah and let me say this was an orchestrated deal Skip Rutherford, I think, is a dedicated believer in civil rights and desegregation and participated in the establishment, was a key figure in the establishment of the, of the museum at Central High, and credit to him for that. But he's also an admirer of Johnny Key. He's also part of the University of Arkansas establishment, and they don't want to make Asa Hutchinson too mad. Johnny Key is Asa Hutchinson and the Walton's man, and he's going to do what they tell him about the schools. And so... There's been a great deal of unhappiness that Johnny Key, has, who's the school board for the Little Rock School District in state control, has been unwilling to speak publicly and openly about the school situation. And so uh, as a part of this week's activity, Skip arranged for him to do a, a Q&A with Skip at the school, and Skip asked him the questions about charter schools and what have you. But he tailored the program in such a way that there was no time for uh, public questions, which made Anika Whitfield, among others, very unhappy. Uh, and tip, it would have been in his control to allow five minutes of questions. And I, I, I have a hard time. He could have done it, and he didn't. That that much is clear. I have a hard time believing that Key didn't agree to participate under some kind of understanding that he wouldn't have to take any unscripted questions from the wrong sorts of people. But in any event, he took some questions and. He, he really bungled a question about whether he's ever met a charter school he didn't like. He, he take, took credit for some people in the department recommending against continuation of the Covenant Keepers Charter School Charter when really he didn't have anything to do anything with that or say anything about it. And the State Board of Education, which is controlled by the governor, immediately overturned it. It's a failing charter school that was allowed to continue to operate. He did say that uh, he could see Perhaps if the State Board of Education went along, and that's a pretty big perhaps, 
perhaps by the end of 2018, a, a call for an election in the following May uh, for the Little Rock School Board election so it could democratically control itself again, depending on how well they do, and I guess depending on whether the Waltons will allow it or not, just to be kind of nasty and, and uh, sarcastic about it all. That would be more than four years after the district was taken over. At that point, there'll be such an advancement of, of charter schools leeching off better, e more easily educated students that we ought to be well on our way to turning Little Rock into New Orleans and Memphis and one of the school districts that's totally been turned over to charter school operators. I, I mean, I just really can't sit here today. And, and I, I think Michael Poor's doing a good job as superintendent. I think the district's making some strides. But the central element of people wanting to be away from people who are poor or people who are black or people they perceive as, as threats to their safety is not changed by anything and it's only exacerbated by a white business establishment and a political establishment that sends dog whistle after dog whistle that people are right, that these poor black kids are just dangerous and, and can't be educated. Better black kids can be educated, but there are certain kinds that just kind of need to be warehoused in these remnant crappy public schools, and I, 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 I'm just thoroughly depressed about it all, as well, you can tell. Also, by state law, uh, the, the state can't keep a district under its control for more than for, five for years. For more than five years. No, they're going to have to do it at yeah. the five Unless they dissolve mark. the district. But, but however they could, then they could, they could send the message to the legislature that the situation's unsolvable. It's time for one of these achievement school districts, so-called in which they almost passed a few years back, which would allow the state to take new steps toward a school district and academic distress. So there's no guarantee that the district can, can regain control of itself. All right, on to a, a happier topic. Let's talk about 42, our sponsor. Let's do. I ran into Mike Selig at, uh, at the Mandela opening, and they put on one of their usual great spreads of cheese and breads and interesting knickknacks, which they do as a caterer, but... Uh, and I thought this is the season to get down to 42, eat out on the deck on a beautiful autumn day at lunch or on the weekend. They're open Monday through Saturday, 11 to 2 for lunch, and uh, it's a good place to go. Big, big heaping portions of good, mostly Arkansas-produced food. Yeah, go down there tomorrow, then walk the grounds. It'll be a perfect day for it. It's a good thing to do. See the new Mandela exhibit. Yeah, and it's good, by the way. And it's all, there are two exhibits, actually. There's a Mandela exhibit including an absolute perfect recreation of his jail cell where he spent all those years in South Africa. But then also items from the African art collection of Bill Clinton, both his personal stuff and things that were given to him. And by the end of his term, I think Bill Clinton could have been president of Africa. He was so popular there, so it's really pretty phenomenal stuff. Cool. So the future of abortion in Arkansas appears to be bleak. Uh, I, You know, I... Planned Parenthood is not officially ratifying my view, but I think we're very near the edge of putting Planned Parenthood out of business as an abortion provider in Arkansas. The situation is this. The legislature this year passed a bill that said an abortion clinic must have a doctor with the hospital admitting privileges to do abortions. Now, in Planned Parenthood case, do abortions means provide a two-pill regimen to people in the first eight weeks of pregnancy that causes a miscarriage. This is a utterly safe procedure, far safer than, than childbirth, for example. 
you don't need a doctor with admitting privileges, but they've added this as a means of trying to put them out of business because doctors don't want to associate with Planned Parenthood because they're afraid the pro-life people will do terrible things to them because they're such pro-lifers and all, you know. Well, anyway, uh, Christine Baker said this law was clearly an infringement on the constitutional right to abortion, said it was unconstitutional and enjoined it. But then the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, which has become probably the most single most conservative appellate court in the country, overturned her to this extent. She said, no, they need to take more testimony on whether this really does create an undue burden on women and on how many women would be directly affected. Planned Parenthood has a clinic in Fayetteville and in Little Rock. In Little Rock, there still remains one private medical provider, Little Rock Family Planning, that does provide clinical abortions, later-term abortions, as well as can prescribe the pills that bring about a, a miscarriage. And so the Eighth Circuit isn't ready to say women in Little Rock, for example, are necessarily put out by losing Planned Parenthood as an abortion provider. Well, in the meanwhile, and so Planned Parenthood appealed that three-judge court's ruling asking for an on-bank ruling, which means all the judges on the Eighth Circuit Court. They declined to hear the case on-bank. That means it goes back to the district court for this hearing on impact. But in the meanwhile, the mandate, as it's said in legal terminology, will come down in a week or two, and the Eighth Circuit will be released of the case. The injunction will no longer apply. The state law will take effect. And the question is, does that mean at that point, when the mandate is received, that Planned Parenthood, its two clinics, can no longer provide these pills in Arkansas? Uh, They say they're going to do everything they can to continue to be a provider in Arkansas. What does that mean? Does that mean they'll seek an emergency stay from the U.S. Supreme Court, which I think would be a long shot kind of thing anyway, or what? I, I don't know. They they say we're considering all these things, and they're not really ready to say, but but I think we're very close to the point at which the, the, the pro-lifers, the anti-abortion crowd has dreamed of for years, and that's really harming Planned Parenthood in Arkansas. They provide other health services. The state has already taken steps to cut them off for reimbursing services for poor women under Medicaid. I think a big part of their business is providing therapeutic abortions and and, uh, and so their ability to continue to operate at the same level without that may be in severe doubt. I, I, as I say, I don't know for sure in Planned Parenthood, I think for public relations reasons otherwise, doesn't want to talk about it much, but they're, they're in great peril. And that's and that's bad news for women of Arkansas and women's medical rights. And you know when you when you Planned Parenthood had the beauty of being a general medical provider, they hadn't been quite the same target of the radical anti-abortion forces that Little Rock Family Planning has, where these there are these regular ugly demonstrations with people harassing women who enter the clinic, and they have to have protectors when they go in there. And so they've, they've, they have reduced Arkansas to a very narrow world. And, of course, they have other laws that are also under challenge that are aimed at making Little Rock family planning almost impossible to operate, ticky rules on, on procedures and, and, and rulemaking that make it hard. So it's uh, – and, and we're not alone. I mean, Kentucky's down to one abortion clinic. Mississippi's down to one very brave doctor. This is all part of a national strategy in which when they couldn't overturn Roe – They've come up with all these different state legal means to make abortion, if not 
de jure illegal, de facto illegal. Okay, well, this is something we'll continue to cover. A federal judge blocked this week a new law aimed at restricting panhandling. The law was enjoined on the ground that it infringed on First Amendment rights. Well, Billy Roy Wilson, of course, is just right. He said, you know, that you can't regulate speech based on content, and that's what the state did. They said asking for money is illegal. Now, the state included these words, asking and harassing and threatening factor uh, fashion. The judge said this is so broad as to be meaningless, and, of course, of course it is. I mean, th- this just was yet another tool to try to arrest people who are out there trying to ask for money. If somebody said, hey, I, I feel bad about that, uh, the cops would try and stop them. Uh, you know, the, the state has persistently tried to do this, and they persistently lost. The state, Leslie Rutledge says she's disagrees with the judge, so I suppose she'll appeal, and given the Eighth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, who knows? Mm, okay. Uh, well, we finished a little early, so anything else you want to talk about? Football, uh, health care, dying? <laughs> you know, football, I mean, really, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Brett Bielema is in his fifth year at Arkansas. I, I, I just can't help myself. I kind of like the guy. But, he's a good personality. Uh, he's, he's a great I mean, personality. Kind of, I kind of struggles like struggles with game management. Kind of like, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about as a coach. I'm not getting into that. I just kind of like him for whatever reason. But I mean, by any measure, his record's not very good. And you know, they had a, a last-second loss against Texas A&M. Pretty good football game, just from a un. If you were not a fan of the Hogs, I mean, it was kind of exciting. You know, the, the critics here seem to be, if you listen to the sports talk shows, he did about nine 900 things wrong. I, I'm not going to judge that. I don't know. But, you know, at some point, Jeff Long's going to have to make a tough decision if these things keep going the wrong way. And he's got, what, it's still a buyout. It's worth about $12 million. I think it's more than that. Might well, be it started at 15, but I think it drops down one notch this year, maybe. Okay. But I'm not sure. If it's twelve to fifteen million, it's a chunk, you know. Yeah. So, I, so I don't know. I mean, and and you know, I do think we're victims of unrealistic expectations in Arkansas to a certain degree. The fans are. We're always going to be mediocre. We're going to always be so-so with the occasional breakout year, which I mean, for for a state that doesn't provide just a wealth of high school football talent. You know, it's, it's, I think it's, one national championship per millennium is not too much to ask. Yeah, I was realizing, and that one was kind of contested, although not by Arkansans. But what was it, that 53 years ago? Yep. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, I, I, I confess just some interest watching the sturm and drong of it, the angst of the fans, and, you know, listening to the radio talk shows is kind of amusing. But, but, I mean, there are bigger things. I want to say, one, Donald Trump is outdoing George Bush in the handling of Puerto Rico. It's an utter disaster. It's a success only in his own mind. And the the mayor of San Juan today said, we just have, I mean, there's just a crisis of immense people are dying here. Because, well, as Trump said, hey, Puerto Rico's in the middle of a big ocean. Yeah. How are you going to get any trucks down there? It's it's really and he's he says as he's going off to play golf in New Jersey or somewhere again, and so there's that and then healthcare is just a mess. 
but but it did die again for the time being. Wasn't that this week? Yeah. Things happen so fast, you know. And Tom Price, who was the Obamacare's biggest foe, just resigned just before we came in here because he got caught in a million dollar private plane scandal of you know flying around like he was a, a Arabian prince. But he's not the only one. Manukin, Pruitt. Uh, the Interior Secretary, the Zinke, they're they they all love the charter planes too. These are guys that are going to really cut the budget, and they're all flying around and, and charter aircraft to famous places with their with big retinues, like they're some movie star entourage or something. But uh, whether that'll be better or worse for health care, I don't know. But Tom Price was cer- certainly bad for it. They couldn't be much worse. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to endorsements. Well, I. I, I uh, I weathered the, a block street this morning to try uh, Three Folds' new breakfast menu. That's the dumpling yeah. restaurant. I forget what they call these. Bao Jing. That, Bao is the shorthand, at yeah, least. Yeah, Bao. Anyway, so they sell these buns that are filled with either beans, pork, or eggs. And the buns, they're, they're sort of an egg custard bun. They're interesting. They're uh, It's a spongy, rich dough that they, they're steamed, but then they finish them with a little pan fry, which gives them a little grease so they're pretty rich i mean my one knock on them is i think there's too much dough to filling i mean they're super rich but they cost about four bucks each interestingly enough the the pork filling is like a any kind of pork filled dumpling it's a good filling but it was really had way too much dough the egg though it was vegetarian but it had some crunchy stuff and it had some sweet stuff and some interesting spices and I'd recommend the egg. It was, but it's certainly a new departure yeah. for breakfast, which was a really welcome thing. Whether they can sustain it downtown in that location, I, you know, we'll have to see. But oh, they were just swamped at lunch in their new location. Yeah, I went to lunch earlier this week. They're, they're well, well discovered as far as lunch is concerned. I got in just in time. You know, they talked about their, the big reason to move was so they could improve their service and get the food out quicker because they believe that it tastes so much better and i gotta say like the dumplings i've always been a fan of but they were better well on that point though and i hate to say this because i like these guys i love their food i think they're great and their the look of the place is is wonderful it's stylish and sleek and all of that but the way they're handling the breakfast thing is i walked in the door and this guy said no no no, you don't come inside to get breakfast you go to the little window on the sidewalk which is kind of cool. It's a yeah. little service window, and they're ready. But what they have is they've got a little thing that looks like a refrigerator, but it's actually a warming cabinet. Mm-hmm. And they have the breakfast bowels already made in sacks with E or P or B, whatever the filling is. And you order one, you get it instantly. Well, I mean, it's not – I mean, it's – I don't know. It's. I mean, I don't guess they ever would be freshly made, but I don't think they hold – I think the pure steam dumplings at lunch – hold up better serve that way than the morning ones did for some reason huh. I, I don't well, know that's why. interesting yeah I, I bet they'll try to tweak that because they're the dumplings at lunch they're all about cooking them and then giving them to you like within seconds of well, they're, they're, they're not doing that for, for breakfast, breakfast yeah no. all right well uh, i'll once again plug the uh, whole hog fest come out sunday have some some pork with us it's gonna be a, a, a great day central arkansas tickets.com and go to 42. Go to 42. Get you a big burger. You never go wrong with a burger at 42. And subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And tell your friends. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps people find us. See you around. Bye.